Can AI be ethical? Today on The Curious Task, I speak with Rachel Lamaski. Welcome to The Curious Task from the Institute for Liberal Studies, where we explore economics, politics, philosophy, and other ideas from a classical liberal perspective. I'm Alex Aragona, your host, and today I'm speaking with Rachel Lamaski. Rachel is Senior Director of Machine Learning Engineering at Manifold, where she works closely with customers to help them understand how their data fits with their product goals. Prior to Manifold, she built an extensive career, including being the co-founder and chief data officer of Wevo Conversion. Rachel has also served as an adjunct professor at Northeastern University. Her course, Parallel Processing and MapReduce, covered theory and real-world applications of cloud computing, Hadoop, MapReduce, Hive, Pig, HBase and Spark, as well as other technologies. Rachel has a BA in computer science from Wellesley College and a PhD in computer science from Tufts University. Rachel, welcome to The Curious Task. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. And it's great to have you on. So Rachel, we base each episode on a question and go wherever the answers and take conversation takes us based on the theme, of course. So our question today is, can AI be ethical? And there's certainly a lot to unpack there. So I want to cover some initial concepts first before we get into some sort of deeper questions and get into a bunch of different sort of branches as we know that tree can go. So I actually want to start with something. Um, it's going to be quite probably basic to you, but I don't think it's as basic to everybody. So I want to start with what we mean by artificial intelligence for the sake of this conversation. You know, everyone uses the term now as if they're being precise. You know, it's in headlines everywhere. It's all over social media. You know, to me, it seems like anytime something has to do with a computer, people are saying it's AI at this point, which obviously is not true. A computer isn't AI just because it exists. So it's becoming catch-all term. I kind of wanted you to just set the conversation context. What do you mean by artificial intelligence? What should people have in their head as we're discussing here? What I mean is probably not what most people mean, which I think is part of the problem of this discussion, right? Like, you know, I think a lot of, oh, chat GPT is a cool thing right now, right? And Dali and all these sort of large language models and the things that are based on them, um, which are very cool, but also very different from the AI that's generally in our life, which is the things that are making decisions on whether we get the loan or which ad is being shown to us, Um There's also, I think, a fair amount of confusion on the difference between machine learning and artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. I think artificial intelligence is sort of the sexier term, right? Like, you know, robots, um, movies. Um, But machine learning, which is just, you know, looking at the past and generally predicting the future, um, very different again than like, you know, generating text with something like chat GPT. is machine learning is definitely the thing that is more inherent in our lives. Okay, so let's get into that a little further. Obviously, without getting like into like you know too 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 technical, because of course we could be for here for hours. Let's start with machine learning. Then, what does that exactly mean? Like, if, if somebody let let's talk at a level where someone generally uses computers every day. Not saying that they're they're not savvy, but but that's basically it. They have their Apple computers and their systems, and they they're generally computer savvy, but they don't really know anything beyond that as far as coding and that kind of stuff. So, what would you say? How would you explain machine learning in those kind of terms at that kind of level? Yeah, so I think there's two types of machine learning that people generally tend to interact with. One is what we call the unsupervised machine learning, where we're not trying to make a prediction. We're trying to sort of cluster people together, right? Um, right. So, you know, you are part of this cohort. This cohort likes 
to upgrade the first class or this cohort likes to buy shoes or this cohort likes to, um, I don't know, right? Use this coupon, not use this coupon, whatever, right? Um, it's not necessarily making a prediction about you, but it's saying, hey, which coupon should we send Alec? Oh, seems like a person who likes chocolate. We'll send him the coupon for chocolate, right? Um, which is a different thing than sorting um, the supervised machine learning, which is now predicting how much do we predict that Alex is going to buy chocolate the next next time he goes to the drugstore or the next time he goes to the grocery store? So, so the idea would be that there'd be a program constructed that would actually crunch all this data, take it all in, and kind of come out with with an output, basically, and then it would learn as it would goes along based on you know the the incoming data, the ongoing incoming data. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's generally used for some type of prediction. Does this person have a disease? Are they going to buy these shoes? How much How much are they going to spend? When are they going to go? Which hotel would they prefer? That sort of thing. Right. And the idea, generally, the learning part of the machine learning is that it's iterative. So um, both your behavior and your cohort's behavior, other people like you, will then feed the model again when the truth comes in. And you'll keep refining and refining the model again, both for the individual and for the cohort. Got it. And for the sake of this conversation today, in, in your area of interest, like, would you say that's a, within the umbrella of artificial intelligence? Would you say that's a separate thing? Just to keep the concepts clear, I want to know, you know, because obviously, like I said, as you said as well, people use AI sort of a catch-all term for other things too. So, is machine learning artificial intelligence to you then, or is there other things we should consider when we're using that term? To me, it's not. I'm not saying that people don't use the terms interchangeably, but to me, the machine learning is a specialized learning algorithm, right? Nobody believes that the Spotify algorithm that picks the next song for you is going to achieve any kind of general human level intelligence. I think when people use artificial intelligence, they're sort of thinking more of like the basic Asimov robot, GPT, right? Like this is this is something that will be able to, you know, again, act like a human, pass the Turing test, that sort of thing. Got it. So when we refer to artificial intelligence, we more mean that, as you said, like at either a simple level or a very advanced level in the future, you know, we're, we're creating something that displays some sort of level of intelligence beyond just a machine doing an input-output sort of process as far as like sorting things or whatever else, from what I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, to me, the, the the important part of the distinction is the ethics are very different in those two cases. Okay, and um, and actually, well, then then let's get into like that a little further now. I think that's a great segue. So, if we're talking about whether AI, machine learning, whatever else we're talking about, can be ethical, um, what do you mean? What do we mean by that? Before we begin into the answers and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, especially as technology develops and we head into the future, does are do you when you refer to ethical AI or you you enter that conversation with anybody even here today, are you simply meaning how the AI is built and then there's an ethical way to build it, or is it how it performs should be to a certain standard? Tell us about what you mean by just the general question of ethical AI. What do we mean by that? Yeah, again, I think this is not, I think it's an underdefined, ter- underdefined term in general. Um, but, you know, so first of all, you have all the general software ethics, right? You know, is the data being collected ethically? Do people understand what they're consenting to, right? This comes up really often with things like social media, right? I, I post something on social media. What consent am I implicitly and explicitly giving for that information to be shared. Obviously, I posted it. Who did I post it to? What can it be used for, right? That stuff is not really machine learning, but machine learning is based on data, 
right? And so there's all the sort of data ethics, there's the privacy issues, there's security issues, right? There's surveillance issues, both with private corporations and with government. Um, so that's sort of, again, it's not machine learning, but it's data, right? And data is the fundamental tool of machine learning. Um, and then there's sort of, I think, the other piece of this, which is, okay, what is this prediction being used for? Again, somewhat independent of the fact that it's being done with a computer, right? So, you know, a judge or a parole board or a doctor making a biased decision is not necessarily ethically different than a computer making it. Um, except for that the computer can be audited in a way that a human cannot. Right. Um, and so, so I guess, is it fair to summarize it? I know it's always unfair to summarize everything, but um, it would be to say basically everything from how uh, a machine learning program or artificial intelligence, when people are considering everything from how to actually build it and what kind of data it's receiving, et cetera, et cetera, all the way into, you know, how it's being supervised and monitored and used on an ongoing basis through to what decisions are being made, that whole sort of spectrum, when we talk about ethics and AI, it, like, is it basically that wholesome approach that how is that entire process ethical? Is that sort of what we're referring to? Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly right. So, you know, it starts with the data collection. It ends with the prediction, right? And then there's questions on how much explainability and transparency do you need along the way? Um, often there's a trade-off with the best algorithms are the least explainable, right? The least, uh, you know, the most difficult to understand what's actually going on under the hood, um, which is a huge distinction, I think, between machine learning and other software ethics. Um, the analogy that I like to use, I think sometimes people who don't understand how much the, the machine learning algorithm and its outputs are a function, the outputs are a function of the data, right? And without auditing the data, you don't really understand what you're going to get. Um, so sometimes people will talk about, oh, we're going to examine all the machine learning code and we're going to see if it's ethical or not. I mean, I suppose you could put something in there that was truly horrible. But in general, that is not how it works, right? It's a, You can look at all the code, and if you don't look at the data, you don't understand what's going to happen. Um, it's sort of like saying, like, hey, I'm going to look at this car and see if it's going to hit someone or not. I mean, sure, you can look at it and say the brakes are broken, it doesn't steer right. Um, but without looking at the driver, it's really not going to get a huge amount of information. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I, I want to go in a little further into what you said, because you, know, you said it's the data collection, how the machine slash program itself works, and then the outputs and how those are used. So I, I do want to jump into getting a little further into a couple further questions on that specifically. But before we jump right into that, I do want to... So now that we've sort of established the context of the conversation... As we will get more into in this conversation, the ethical discussion around each of those portions we just talked about, um, whether it's in the uh, in the tech community or on a specific project or whatever else, um, I kind of want to stop in on the question of who decides what's ethical overall or what ethical generally looks like. I guess that's one of the problems that we'll be discussing in this conversation that you're interested in as well. Um, but, you know, one point you seem to make in your presentations is that, sure, there's ethical conversations to be had about AI, but that also, you know, applies to humans as well, especially human institutions, whether we're talking about any computing in there or not. So do you generally view 
the conversation debates around AI ethics as nothing hugely special, but rather more of a subsection of the general ethical thinking we should do? Or is there something very special about AI and machine learning considerations when it comes to ethics? Or, or as I said, is it just really like, hey, we should always think ethically. So that also applies over here. Yeah, I think it's it's maybe, you know, there's, there's a small difference, differences, right? So for example, you can audit a machine learning algorithm in a way that you can't audit, let's say, judge right right? so you right so you can you know for example look at the input data and say hey are all the demographics represented that i would like to be represented right sometimes you can do something about it sometimes you can't right so you know for example you know the city of boston had an app that you could report potholes seems good (laughs) but you know certain parts of the city people were more or less likely to have smartphones Right. So the data was biased. Right? Just again, not because any human was being a jerk and not because any algorithm was being a jerk, just the nature of the data. Right. And so things like this. Right. I feel like you can look at you. You have more places to audit. Right. How is the input data? How are the predictions? Are the predictions the same for this demographic and that demographic? Is there some demographic that, um, you know, maybe it's not right. Like healthy people get less health care. Mm. that seems okay right right women get more of this men get more of that right but so you can you can look at it better but again you know we're just looking at the how biased the predictions are generally when the predictions are biased it's because the humans who made the data were also biased right so there's there's not a ton that you can do about this um you know and i shouldn't say it's not a ton you can do about this but it doesn't seem very rarely is it that the AI or machine learning algorithm is actually the jerk. It's usually the human and organizations around it. Got it. Okay. Uh, on that note, then I want to jump into a little further about, as you're saying, it, it starts right with the data collection and how the, you know, what data is going into the process and then on from there. So I want to get more into what an ethical approach to AI looks like from your perspective. So if we talk about data collection specifically, I mean, obviously there's a lot of routes to go here, but you know, um, from your perspective, generally, when we talk about data collection, what does an ethical approach when it comes to the data look like in your mind at a high level, of course? Yeah. I mean, so again, not specific to machine learning in any way or AI, you need to look at people consent did they understand what they were giving the data for um how is it being stored is it being stored in a secure way um are all the you know correct demographics being represented again these things are relatively easy to check they're not necessarily relatively easy to change um right certain demographics might be less likely to participate um but, you know, I think informed consent and collecting data is, again, nothing specific necessarily to machine learning. Right, because many different fields, especially like, you know, like the social sciences, even if they're not involved in like using anything to compute except for typing their reports, for example, Microsoft Word, you know, they have their own codes of ethics and so on and so forth about data collection. So I suppose you're saying it's it's the same types of trains of thought, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And... um. Because uh, I guess like, you know, right now there's a lot of people that are very skeptical of like of what current machine learning artificial intelligence is doing and into the future as well. Um, you, know, you know, right now companies are incentivized to collect lots of data and perhaps sell it, for example. Um, 
but I guess what you're saying is basically that's, I guess that's why it starts at that point, right? That like, even before we talk about what a machine or what a program is doing with the data, the best place to start is probably actually getting that data ethically, which also includes consent, not just, you know, how you might be uh, collecting on, I guess it would be, I guess a good way to put it is sort of the initial and ongoing consent, because this technology is going to always in the background of our lives, collecting our data, seeing what we're doing and so on, for example, with ads. So is that a fair way to summarize it? Would you say sort of like the initial and ongoing consent and informed approach that each of us having data collected on us is, is, you know, um, like, is that really the best way to handle it is basically just it's, a, it's an ongoing mentality of consent and in, informing people i mean so there's consent to have your data gathered and then there's consent and how it's used right so i might let's say for example i understand that uber needs to know where i am and where i'm going to be able to provide me with a ride um but obviously that data and aggregation even if it was anonymized in some way would uniquely identify me mm-hmm. right i'm going from my house to my office yeah <laughs> multiple times for example yeah <laughs> right yeah. um and so you know i may it may not really be able to consent or even and it would be kind of honestly a real pain to continuously consent to all the different ways that they may want to use it internally right so they may want to for example use it to understand whether female and male drivers were paid the same yeah, that seems fine to me, um, but it might not seem fine to someone else, right? And so I think there's a whole bunch of consent issues here where you can't possibly give informed consent to all the cases where your data may be used. Um, and so it becomes, I think, you know, more than talking about where the algorithm and consenting to different parts of that and understanding, it's really more about consenting to how the initial data is being used and then we can talk about this a little bit later, maybe, but how the predictions are then being used at the end. The middle, I think, is sort of a black box um, to many people. And I think that's okay. I don't think they really need to understand what the algorithms are and how they're being used. They need to know what's being taken from them and what is it being used to do. So, so that's interesting. So if that's the sort of consent and informed side is the people that are having their data collected, you said like, you know, um, people people if if they are part of that data cluster if you will don't necessarily need to know how that black box work on the flip side those creating that black box and so on and so forth how do they how should they approach the ethical considerations of that process is it just the beginning and end part that's the most important you said ultimately data collection and how you're using the data and have fun building your your machine learning program or is there technical considerations in the middle like how do you view that so I see the people building in the middle as the ones who can remediate problems with the predictions. So, you know, for example, if a certain demographics predictions are coming out in a way that is unethical, um, they're the ones who can go in and turn the, the you know, levers and the knobs and sort of help fix that problem. Right. Um, it may be actually in the middle and it may be in a post-processing, right? Like, hey, we know that this algorithm is, let's say, under, you know, under recommending loans for a certain demographic, rather than mess with the algorithm, we're going to then tweak it on the other side or, um, or just, hey, we are aware that certain cases are, let's say, for example, in medical cases um, or in, you know, uh, again, paroles, things that are very high risk. Um, we're going to put a human in the loop Right. So when the decision comes out, we're going to have someone review it. We're going to, um, instead of doing AI, we're going to do IA, um, 
augmented intelligence, right? And um, and we're going to give the human enough information to understand whether the algorithm was a jerk or not, um, and let them overrule. Actually. Right. So, so basically, the job of the, the human touch in the process, if you will, is to like understand what's happening in that black box and how it's affecting the ethics, ethical. It's not always negative, but sort of the ethical fallout, if you will, of the whole process from front to back. It's not just about, as you said, analyzing code and saying, hey, is, is that ethical? Yeah. So I think like one of the examples is, um, it's actually a really old example. It's probably 25 years old. Um, but it was a case of whether um, people coming into the emergency room with pneumonia should be admitted or they should be sent home. Hmm. Um, right. And you can imagine, you know, the kind of data that goes into this, things like, do they have another respiratory disease? How severe is it? Right. Age, whatever. Right. Um, and the story is, again, I'm not 100% sure the story is true, but I think it illustrates the point well, um, that one university put together a super complicated algorithm that told the doctors, like, yes or no, um, and the doctors were like, oh, I'm not going to follow that. Right? I, I have many years of training. <laughs> Why would I just do that? Um, where another um, university put together, like, essentially a very easy decision tree. Right? Um, yeah. Does this person have asthma? Yes or no? Right? Right. If yes, then right. And so the doctor was able to sort of very easily see the explainability. Um, say like. Oh yeah, that's true. But in this case, I'm actually going to make an exception, um, right? And even though the first algorithm had higher accuracy when measured by, you know, precision recall, whatever, um, the second algorithm was actually the one that was functionally better for humans, hmm. um, and also allowed the human intelligence to augment the artificial intelligence. Um, and so, in my mind, many times when you're sort of this black box. Even even if it's not unethical in its decisions, has the ability to allow the human ethics to augment whatever was in this black box. Hmm. So, so is it fair to say that sort of from your perspective, whether it's today or 100 years into the future, that there always has to be some sort of uh, human interfacing with however the tech stack is working to ensure all the kind of things you're saying. And I guess because, you know, there's a lot of people talking today, even from a general perspective, that, you you know, there's a worry that, you know, as AI systems and machine learning algorithms and so on begin to handle, handle more and more things, when humans become more and more hands-off, people are just generally worried about that. Even people that aren't tech-savvy, they're just there's this idea of a human not being in the loop is a worry just from sort of a principle perspective some people. But it sounds like from a tech perspective as well, for example, from someone like you, you're saying, no, there are also valid reasons to be concerned that humans are always involved to some degree in the process. Yeah, I think it depends on what, what we're predicting here, right? So, you know, there's some algorithm that decides what I want to hear next on Spotify, makes a mistake it's really not a huge deal right yeah fair <laughs> enough right but yeah. you know something where i think is high risk again um medical situations you know parole situations maybe even loan situations in some cases right you want to make sure that the human at least has reviewed the algorithm at the high level at the aggregate um if not at every individual decision mm -hmm. that makes sense 
and so that we were sort of talking about the black box, if you will, and we sort of did start treading into sort of outputs, but like when, and so I'll just push further into that. I'm not sure if you have anything else to add, but so we talked about data collection, the black box itself working, and now we're, we'll get into outputs itself. Um, is, is it really just come down to what you were saying, which is someone's monitoring, okay, we know we have data collection. We know there's data going into this black box, if you will, the black box is working. Here's the kinds of things it's outputting. Is it simply just about monitoring that and the human making decisions? Is there to a point where, you know, for example, a corporation should go and set up an output board for AI in the future where there's multiple people weighing in on this? Like, how, how does the overall picture of an ethical approach to that output at the end of the day process look in your mind? I mean, continuous monitoring in my mind is always necessary for machine learning, right? Because there's just drift, right? So you can imagine how many algorithms that were working really well before COVID just flopped working well, right? right? Uh, um, you know, like, for example, we were, I was working on an algorithm that was sort of uh, looking at people's network traffic, right? And trying to predict the type of business, right? So, you know, they're using it a lot Monday through Friday, nine to five, probably an office, um, they're using it mostly on Sundays, probably a church. Um, all of that just sort of went away, right? Um, and so, that's obviously a relatively extreme example, but you always want to be monitoring an algorithm for just drift. It, it stopped working well, never mind whether it became biased in one way or another. Just the data, the underlying data has changed. Um, I do think, you know, there are certainly cases where you want the human to look and ensure, again, they, they have to look at the whole thing, but they want to make sure that certain demographics are represented. I mean, sometimes reality is just biased, right? Again, you know, certain demographics people who do not have a lot of money tend to default on loans more than people who do have a lot of money right, right. so it's biased right. um and just because something like biased. that happens over and over and over and over does not mean that that's the right outcome right to the i guess to your point yeah I, but you need to decide what you want to do about it mm. right um or for example um you know, you have pretty good data on, let's take loans again. Um, you have pretty good data on the people that you gave loans to, whether they defaulted or not. Uh, you do not have good data on whether the people you didn't give loans to would have defaulted or not, right? And so, you know, something that came in systematically biased, because the loan officers, the humans, were biased themselves, will continue to be biased in the same way, Um and so this is a case where a human needs to decide whether they're going to change the input data, right? Maybe with cost, go out and recruit other people to randomly give loans to people that they would not have previously given loans to, right? Are they going to essentially try to rejigger the data set um, to make the algorithm less biased or to make that the model itself less biased or not? Um, and that, that takes human review, right? Because that is a business process. Absolutely. And I have a follow-up question right on that. But before we do that, it actually is about the time we should take our break. So we're going to do that right now. So everyone, you're listening to Curious Task. I'm speaking with Rachel Lamaski today. The Curious Task is a podcast from the Institute for Liberal Studies. Feel free to send questions, feedback, guest recommendations, or anything else that's on your mind to curioustask at liberalstudies.ca. As always, a huge thanks to our supporters on Patreon, including Randy T. Simmons, Travis Smith, and John Robson. 
Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at The Curious Task, rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to The Curious Task, and check out the Institute for Liberal Studies. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to The Curious Task. I'm speaking with Rachel Lamaski today. So, Rachel, I think the first half of our conversation was great. We sort of established the slight difference between the conversations of machine learning, specifically artificial intelligence generally, talked about sort of that data collection, the black box itself of machine learning, and then the outputs. And we were just finishing off talking about um, what a human being should be doing with that whole picture, but also specifically in the outputs. Before we get into a few more specifics, I want to kind of start us back off here in our second half with sort of a general zoom out question. And so, so based on everything you're saying, I think so. it's like to me today, AI, or excuse me, machine learning specifically is used in very specific ways uh, in many different industries right now, specifically with, you know, private corporations trying to do specific things. Um, but, you know, there's a necessity for humans to be uh, in many levels of that process, just based on where the technology is at today. There's a lot of futurists, if you will, that are basically looking forward to a day where m- more than anything, human beings can be completely hands off. Um, I think I saw at a conference one time, someone was joking that, you know, it's okay about checking into an algorithm because we'll make another algorithm that'll check into the algorithm. So, and then everyone had a good laugh at that, but I want to kind of get your perspective on that. Cause, and of course, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems that your sort of perspective is that no matter how high that tech stack goes and no matter how many pieces we can give off to machine learning or AI eventually, um, there has to be a sort of a holistic view of the whole process that a human being has to have some sort of control over and put into. That, that's what I'm gathering so far in our conversation. But of course, you elaborate or correct as needed. Yeah, I mean, got to be someone's ethics, right? Um, but, I, you know, I think there's two parts of this, right? It's whose ethics. Um, and, you know, these ethics obviously vary among humans, right? Um, pretty widely, right? So, you know, whoever is in charge, and we got into this in the first half, I don't know, right, is in charge of the algorithm, again, whether it's a corporation or a state or an individual, right, needs to make sure that it enforces their ethics. Um, so I cannot imagine a world where, you know, the algorithm itself has ethics, Um I think the other part of this futurist thing is that we have been about 20 years away from having general intelligence, well, 70 years, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So, you know, Alan Turing said in his 1950 paper, um, yeah, we're like a few years away because now we've got the tape recorder, right? So it's like right around the corner. Right. Um, Right. And Minsky was going to have one of his, Marvin Minsky was going to have one of his grad students in 86 uh, do NLP over the summer. Right. So he had like a guy who was going to come, he's going to solve natural language processing. Um, we'd be good. Um, and so I, I don't know. It is certainly possible that one day we will get to the point where the algorithm can check the algorithm. But I don't think it's 20 years away. Um I think part of this fallacy comes from people thinking that since AI can do the hard parts, it must be able to do the easy parts too. Mm. <laughs> um, and that's just not true, right? I, I don't know anyone who's played with chat GPT. That's the one I'm going to keep using because I'm playing with it a bit. Um, you know, it, it does some really cool stuff. And then sometimes it's just dead wrong, <laughs> Right. 
Yeah. Um, For those who don't know what what exactly you're referring to there, just so we can get that out. Oh yeah, let me let me talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so ChatGPT came out a couple of weeks ago. It's one of what they call a large language model. Um, so the idea is that it's trained on a huge corpus of text, um, and you can ask it a question, and it will answer. Um, so you can say things like, "Write me a poem about software ethics," or "Who was." Isaac Newton or, you know, whatever you would like to know, and it will answer you. Sometimes it will do what we call hallucinate and just make stuff up, <laughs> um, but it will answer you, right? And, you know, it will answer you quickly. Um, so it will write you a poem quickly. Um, and I think that that gives you or gives people um, just this impression like, oh, my God, if it can write a poem, writing poems is really hard, mm. um, at least for me. Um it can do all the other stuff, right? Um, you know, so for example, it can write code, but it's not very good code. Hmm. Um, it It's not general intelligence, but it gives the impression of general intelligence. And that gives people the impression that we're very close. Right. I was reading an article. Actually, that that's actually going to become a bigger problem, especially over the next five to 10 years is this this uh, sort of fallacy of how close we are based on the impression of general intelligence and advanced sort of machine learning rather because as humans as you said we receive all these outputs and we're like oh my god but really like when you kind of get under the hood and look at what's really happening and really think it through it's not actually as close as we think yeah i think that's like i think we've seen this a fair amount actually recently in self-driving cars Mm. um we have a car that drives itself down the highway and it's really awesome but, you know, trying to navigate the school parking lot this morning at drop-off, like, would not even try. Right. Right. So, you know, and and so the 90% is, is sort of the easy part in many cases. That's that last 10% that's difficult. Yeah, because I even remember years ago there was um, uh, someone in my family got – is a really interesting feature. And we weren't even talking sort of about Tesla and Elon Musk at this time, but, like, it was just sort of this uh, – uh, cruise control sort of feature on the car this is years ago but like it also had sensors on the front and the back so it would slow you and speed you up based on like you know the, the highway speeds in front of you not for yeah, regular yeah. residential and i remember like uh the person in my family referred to was, was so excited about this and this was years ago that was like oh my god like imagine what's going to happen in five years and that would have brought him to like something like 2012 or something you know and it's like right like you said we're not that much leap for we didn't go from you know in 2006 or 2007, this little automatic cruise control speed up, speed down process into sort of, uh, you know, the the metropolis of the future in five years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's great. It's great, right? But it's not general intelligence, right? right. It, it can't deal with like the school drop-off line, which in my mind is probably the pinnacle of intelligence because that is a game, Right. Is there, do you think there's a, on that note, both with people that are observers of uh, tech, like, you know, techies, if you will, people that just have a general interest in this stuff and are fans of tech, if you will, all the way through to people that actually work in these industries, you know, corporate leaders, state lawmakers making decisions, people that can actually uh, program, for example, across that spectrum, do you think there's sort of like this danger of, jumping the gun, if you will, with like, oh, if, if this can do that, let's just give it all this decision-making power. Let's just try this or outsource this government service to that. Do you think there's sort of a, a danger of like false starts and whether it's at the public policy level or even in the private sector area of 
you know, not only getting excited about the tech, because that's kind of harmless in itself just to be excited about something, but actually action that excitement and start handing things over or, you know, changing the way things are running or, you know, making humans less involved or there's sort of dangers of false starts in that area because we're getting too excited. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, that is actually the danger, right? Like, the danger. It's possible that <laughs> yeah. AI can be a jerk. I mean, we've definitely seen examples of them being jerks, right? It's not too hard to make them say racist things and other things of that sort. But, like, the real danger is that generally they're idiots, right? And they're being they're making important decisions. And, again, that's why you know, human in the loop is really important to me, especially in cases where it's high risk. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Obviously, I'm not asking you to predict the future. That would be a different podcast and different conversations. So I'm not asking you what kind of what the world will look like 25 years, 50 years, 60 years, 80 years. But like generally speaking, based on the trajectories we're at now, it obviously seems that you know more computing power, more machine learning, eventually artificial intelligence will not only be just something that's a tool that's used by companies, the state, whatever else, but people are saying is going to be just completely integrated into certain processes. So I don't. It doesn't seem like you ever feel there will never be a role for the human. I know we've touched on this before. I'm just sort of reinforcing the point. Like you're not one of those people that's like a futurist that's like, and eventually we'll never have to worry about X. Like maybe parts of the process, but the whole process overall probably won't be shipped off to like into computer land. It doesn't sound like you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think ethics will probably change. I mean, hmm. just how much ethics has changed in the last 20 years? Right. Human. Listen, if we have a point where the computers are defining the ethics, then I guess maybe <laughs> but this is relatively unlikely to me, you know, at least in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, then we um, might just have humans worried about the ethical approach about the AI that's designing the ethics. It might just be all the way down kind of situation. Right. I mean, if we actually have AIs that are capable of defining ethics to the point of humans, then I think the ethical issue is how do we treat those AIs which have human intelligence right. as not not slaves, right? Right. I guess we're, we're always going to be in the equation to some degree, ultimately. Right? I don't know. Listen, I, I know the singularity, folk, and it, it is a beautiful vision. <laughs> but I think it was supposed to happen like 20 years ago, if I remember right. Yeah. There's always something there's always something in tech that's five, ten, twenty years. I was never gonna end. Yeah. We're always gonna hear about it. Um We're making progress. I don't wanna be one of those people who's not who's saying that we're not making progress. We right. very clearly are. Right. It's just you know, I think there's two parts. Is it even desirable? Right. Which I will leave to the philosophers, um, to get humans out of the loop. Um or really, is it a matter again of sort of augmenting human intelligence so we don't have to worry about the boring stuff like mm-hmm. driving down the highway um, and let us concentrate, you know, let the doctors concentrate on sort of the, the harder cases? Mm-hmm. And it, I guess, you know, I guess that that's sort of, I guess, a, a question of like, you know, is this left to sort of like a more, um, if you will, multiple competing interests, more market-based approach versus a state policy sort of approach. Because I think that's an interesting thing in people's minds too now. It's one thing to have like, I don't know, like eight different corporations competing in the delivery of X, Y, and Z type goods, and they all have different ways to do that or different types of experiences through an app. It's another thing when you hear governments talking about how they can sort of be involved in the future as far as public policy you know the eu thinks this is ethical and wants to invest x amount of dollars to do this so i I guess that's kind of a concern too right because you said who decides uh to me i'm not sure if you agree but to me personally in my own opinion uh you know 
it's one thing to have competing interests and seeing who wins or it just be a strict consumer producer type of relationship. It's another thing when sort of states and public policy gets involved, then we have a whole different ball game. Yeah. I mean, I think it is no different with AI than it is with any other state policy, right? You know, like for example, I think healthcare is a, is a pretty easy one, right? Who should get more healthcare in a case where it is not actually infinite, right? Like, don't know (laughs) right but i certainly wouldn't want um one algorithm making that decision right or you know we haven't gotten at all into warfare but that is another common story when people talk about ai right the robot soldier or the drone bombing or whatever right like i still want a human in that loop yeah i would say so (laughs) for quite a while although there are probably some ais that are more reliable than some humans right yeah not not worrying about warfare and having oh we'll just out basically effectively ship that mental sort of weight and effort and thinking about it off to computing would be kind of a weird future at least for my own vision i think it'd be weird a bunch of people be sitting in a room being oh the computers are handling warfare great yeah, yeah, I don't think. Well, I mean, I, I haven't seen data on this recently, but I did see it about maybe 10 years ago. Someone was asked, um, it was in like some radiology context, right? Like, would you rather have a radiologist with 70% accuracy look at your MRI or an algorithm with 70% accuracy look at your hmm. MRI? Everyone picked the radiologist, right? Um, fine. Um what about if the radiologist was 70 and the algorithm was 80? Everyone picked the radiologist, right? Um, not everyone, but, you know, more people picked right. the radiologist. I think, right, I, you know, I think it is certainly a valid market-based thing to say, hey, listen, here's your choice. <laughs> Some people think that the AI is magic and will go that way. <laughs> Some people prefer the human. Um, there's probably biases in terms of, you know, age and other demographics in that. Seems okay, right? Um, yeah, I mean, even I think not in AI context, what people choose to share, for example, what what applications they put on their smartphones or how they use credit cards or when they use cash, right? It seems like these same types of biases very much could apply to ML and allow people to choose which algorithms and which applications they want to use. Mm-hmm. I want to switch gears a little bit into just just to get more insights from your experience specifically because you have a lot of private sector experience and so on and so forth. Um, We often, and by we, I mean the royal we observers, people not industry insiders, if you will, you know, we'll read that sort of article about technology generally from the technology columnist or something like that and business insider, even if we go that far. But a a lot of people aren't in tech in the field or have that direct hands on experience or think about it every day. You do, for example. So I kind of want to ask you the question in the field, not external, not mainstream headlines. Um, what are the kinds of major concerns you're aware of from AI experts? I mean, obviously, ethics is a big thing. We're talking about that today. Um, and it's a large field, so I know you can't list every concern that ever comes up in every meeting room ever. Uh, no one could be able to do that. Um, and of course, there is, I should say, there's no monolith of opinion in the private sector. So after all those disclaimers are, I did for you, which is, I think, fair enough. Yeah. Um, what, what are your, what's your kind of, when you put your finger on the pulse of the industry, what are the kind of major concerns right now, either the, the micro sort of tech concerns or the macro concerns in industry about machine learning, AI, and so on? I think, honestly, the thing I heard the most, the biggest thing in the last few years has been sort of this explainability, Right. 
how much do we need to understand what the algorithm is doing? Um, and then, you know, it's generally not the tech people themselves, but how much responsibility do we have to remediate it? Hmm. Right. So if it's, for example, you know, predicting less well for people from a certain state or certain whatever demographic, you pick your favorite demographic here. Um, right. And we know it's doing poorly or less well. Right. Do we have a responsibility to report that? <laughs> right. Like our algorithm is really, really good kind of picking out uh, for men, but not for women. Right. Should we just not use it for women? Should we spend a million dollars trying to add women in? Mm. Um, right. Or um, I think there's also a lot now of understanding. Again, I keep talking about augmented intelligence, but how much do we need? How How is the best way to present this data to the human so that they can then understand how well it's doing? Um, right. And I guess, and I guess implicit in all those conversations, this is nothing but ethics to some degree, right? I mean, obviously there's some technical concerns about how most efficiently to do stuff, but it seems like these are, these are, these always come back to some, some, you know, ethical themes ultimately. And I mean, a fair number of times we should, you know, we're, we're concentrating on the cases here where ethics matter. Like they just don't matter. Mm. Right. Like, like, you know, fair which enough. coupon are you going to send someone for their next trip to the grocery store? Suppose you could come up with some situation where ethics matters there, yeah. but in general, eh, right? Yeah, like um, is, it, is it really unethical <laughs> that a lot of the emails I receive right now aren't exactly a match for me or end up in the junk folder? I mean, I, I might be annoyed by it, but is it unethical? I don't think I've ever thought that. I mean, that's a good point, right? Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, I, again, this comes back to the regulation, right? People are like, we must regulate AI. We must have a human in the loop. We must, like, I mean... Runners get, you know, more expensive shoe suggestions. Seems okay, right? Um, right, you know, this demographic doesn't get as much pain medication. Seems less okay, right? Um, well, this right? goes to your and point so that think... this goes to your point. I saw in one of your presentations, like that biases are not like that's a loaded word for a lot of people. But like, you know, in some cases, like from a tech perspective, the bias of an algorithm or the output might actually be not necessarily a bad thing, or could even be good. Is, is what you're getting onto here, right? Yeah, I mean, so I worked a while ago on um, on an algorithm that tried to predict which plane travelers were going to complain, um, <laughs> right? Um, so that is a function of how bad your experience was, um, right? Did they change your gate before or after you got to it? Did they lose your luggage? How, how long did they lose it for? How did they get it back to you, right? Did they change your seat? Did they change it better? Did they, you can imagine all the sort of things that go into this. Um, and your cohort, right? So people who travel on Monday mornings tend to be really grumpy because um, they're business travelers. They need to get there, paid a lot of money often, right? Um, and then obviously the individual, right? Like certain people tend to complain more than other people, right? Um, right? Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of biases into who tends to complain, but that's okay, right? Because that's just true. The question is, are there biases in how you remediate it? Mm. <laughs> right? So a, a man and a woman, let's say, with uh, and the idea, sorry, I should say, the idea of this algorithm was to sort of, you know, preemptively give someone something so they would not complain. It was like, hey, so sorry that we changed your seat from an aisle to a middle. Please have a free drink on us. 
um, and now you won't call ink. Um, right. Right. So bias in complaining, sure. <laughs> bias in remediating, right? So if women tend to complain less, and I'm using that without loss of generality, I can't remember who actually complained less. Right. Um, and you... Um, and you give them less stuff <laughs> because you think they're less likely to complain for the exact same flight. Um, is that okay or not? <laughs> um, that's where I think the ethics come into it. Right. And yeah, and you could see how that might branch into a larger social discussion. Are we just enforcing things that always happen socially? And then that's a broader ethical discussion where are we enforcing certain structures and circumstances that aren't ethical to begin with? So we kind of end up going full circle back to that right yeah exactly and that's where it came like i don't that's not a thing where i feel like you know in your earlier question that a computer even a really really smart one can just solve that that's a social decision right that's a business decision right yeah and as you said that branches into the if it's both a business a social and business decision then that's just a whole that's just the general topic of you know businesses and their interaction with society again and all that great stuff which kind of brings us to the back to your main point which is or one of your main points i should say which is that you know at the end of the day machine learning is part of this overall equation but there's general ethical discussions we should be having yeah exactly i mean ais can totally be jerks (laughs) but so can humans so can institutions a couple cases of states being jerks i've heard of right and that biases thing i think that's, it's a careful, we have to be careful about that loaded word too, because I mean, we all have biases ourselves personally, but none of them are necessarily bad. Like if, if I'm unethical, I'm not unethical for preparing like chocolate over vanilla, for example, that's a bias. And if you ran my machine learning a bunch of times, maybe you would like per- send me more chocolate ice cream than vanilla. You know I mean? <laughs> but is that necessarily a bad outcome? I mean, it's a very, it's a very good point. Cause I think a lot of us that aren't in this every day sort of get muddled on this topic when we use words like socially loaded words, like biases and that kind of thing. But you're right. There's sort of a more technical way of thinking about it that we then have to decide if there's an ethical point or not even to be discussed. Otherwise we're just spinning our wheels. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Right. You know, just who like is it actually a problem (laughs) it's a different question than is it bias Mm -hmm. i mean obviously they're somewhat correlated but they're not the same question right excellent and one final question before we move to our formal wrap-up um and again, I, I said we'd sort of avoid the sort of futurist uh, conversations here. So this one's a bit of a futurist one, but I'm not trying to put you on the spot and quote you or have people make bets on it or anything. But we're, you know, we're, as far as your perspective on this kind of topic and other things that you're involved in, where do you think the world is going as far as AI involvement? I don't mean where the tech will be at and when the next breakthrough is going to happen, but I'm talking about over the next many decades. You know, there seems to be two extremes uh camps if you will just to generalize real quick you know there's there's there actually are people you know that basically say all this stuff's overhyped not only is it not going to work even if it does work it's not going to be as impactful as people think sure we might have some fun tricks that machine learning and ai does but it's ultimately not going to be this huge impact on the other hand you have the people that are basically saying don't worry we'll invent an algorithm to check on the algorithm check on the algorithm we'll just outsource our entire lives to these things and all the hard work in life will be done so you have those kind of two extreme camps do you fall somewhere in the middle are you in one or the other ais and machine learning's involvement in you know as far as the way human beings generally operate do you kind of have a feeling as to where that might settle or at least what you might prefer in the middle (laughs) i feel like you know the pattern of technology throughout history is it's sort of taken the low-hanging fruit right 
Uh, right. So, you know, from, I don't know, I should go so far back, but you know, factories, right. Right. The, the basic fabric weaving done. Right. Right. But there's still a part for humans in this, right. Humans are still crafting um, spreadsheets. We no longer do big, right. The bookkeeper, you know, the, the person just doing numbers in the little cells of the spreadsheet, like that person doesn't need to do that anymore, but there's probably more spreadsheets than ever, even though computers are doing most of the math. Right. Um, I think it's probably the same case. Um, or even the self-driving that we talked about, right? Like, I did not spring for the one that did the parallel parking, though I really wanted to. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of the easy driving will probably be taken, right? And, you know, as time goes on, all those algorithms will be improved, and there'll still be someone who has to navigate the blue zone for picking up their kids. and. Right parking and the difficult situations. Um, so I would, um, you know, I, I guess I have sort of the mundane production here, right? You know, it will be mostly step functions of getting a little better and a little better. Um, honestly, I think this these large language models have come out of nowhere in terms of they've been a huge leap from previous natural language processing. Um, I think they're going to be pretty good. I think language generation is making a huge jump. Um, Probably some of the other sort of art generation that's associated with it as well, music, illustrations, things of that sort. Do not believe that we are anywhere near the algorithm writing the algorithm. <laughs> right. And it's interesting you bring up the art uh, stuff just because it seems that even people who – there's certain camps out there and schools of thought around this, but like even people who will admit, sure – everything mundane or all the repetitive work or even decisions for that repetitive work could eventually in the future be sort of a machine learning AI sort of process. But there will always be a place for humans to do the sort of, you know, a creative aspect about whether it's an accounting, some creative accounting that needs to be done to get your taxes lower, or it's just art or that kind of thing. And like, you know, that human touch to make tapestry nice, even though you you mentioned weaving, there's factory weaving, then there's sort of artistic, but there's also people on the other side that say, hey, it's, it's all one and the same. We're sort of just fleshy robots ourselves if we can get all this tech up to snuff like there's going to be eventually no distinction on that creative side do you have any do you have any thoughts on that sort of specific creative aspect that people always talk about because that seems to be a sub debate within the larger one yeah i mean listen i don't know but it seems like every single time that we have had some piece of art taken over but uh, you know cooking right i think is another one right we got Mm. tons of processed food (laughs) um you still cook Right. Right. We might maybe even cook more creatively than we did before, right? With access to more ingredients. Right. Seems to me like humans like to be creative and whatever the machines do, they're gonna find a the thing or the things that the human that the machines do not do. I don't know. Right. Fair enough. And with that, we're, our time is pretty much winding down here. So I'm going to move us ahead to our formal wrap-up. And, and each episode, I want to make sure that the guest ultimately has the last word at, with our sort of final official question. So I'll jump into that now. So, Rachel, let me say we've talked about a lot. I think it was a great overview and many different sort of uh, paths we took in this conversation. But if we can try and bring everything full circle and put a finer point on our general conversation or exploration of our main theme today, let me ask you, what do you ultimately hope are the main takeaways for someone listening to you here on whether machine learning, AI, this sort of tech can be ethical and, and what that really means? In other words, um, in everything we explored today and from your train of thought, if you wanted someone to just leave with one or two or just a few takeaways, if anything, from you, what would that ultimately be on this topic? 
Yeah, I think my my number one is just compared to what, right? Like compared to humans, right? Um, yes, AIs can be jerks, and often that is what makes the headlines. But humans can also be jerks. There are a number of headlines on that as well, but you know, less, right? So it will say like, "Oh, this AI is sending people to jail and getting it wrong." True, but humans are also sending people to jail and getting it wrong. And at least the AI I can audit. That's right. Fair enough. Well, Rachel, thank you very much for joining me on The Curious Task today. It was great. Yeah, thanks, guys. This was really fun. The Curious Task is a podcast from the Institute for Liberal Studies. This episode was produced by Alex Aragona, Sabine Elchidiak, and Eric Segain. Our executive producer is Matt Bufton. The music you hear on the podcast is by Lindy Voppenfjord. You should check out his other stuff online. The Curious Task exists today because of donations of time and money from those creating it and listeners like yourself. Check us out on Patreon and find out how you can support us and get access to exclusive offers. I'm Alex Aragona, and thank you very much for joining us on The Curious Task.